this is Sydney and Sierra and this is the Living Within Stigma podcast. Our mission is to cultivate a vulnerable conversation surrounding mental health for people of color. We vow to you and ourselves to be present and authentic. Together, we will create a space of hope. Hello, everyone. Hey, guys. Happy Black History Month. Welcome back to Living Within Stigma. Yes. It's a celebration this month and every month. But I just think Black people really deserve to celebrate this month. If you so want to, you so please. (laughs) Go us. Anyway, um, (laughs) we wanted this season to be kind of centered around Black History Month. Well, not kind of. We want it to be centered around Black History Month. Yeah. Just to pay tribute and just, you know, talk about our history. And we're here to talk about mental health uh, for people of color. So we thought it was just important to, you know, really get into some of the history and connect with that. Yes. This season. And like... Right. And this is really small, but I just thought about this. Like, honestly, I love the fact that like our platform, like this is really an everyday thing for us. Like our whole structure is centered around, you know, advocating for um, mental health related topics, like specifically for black people, honestly, let's be real. So I think it's just for me, like I said, like it really is just a celebratory month, but every month we should be, you know, still celebrating uh, some way engaging right and Pain celebrating tribute. in our own yeah. history and culture so yeah I mean it's it's a regular day over here I don't know I don't know <laughs> facts I'm black every day right. but yeah so we're gonna start with the season is trauma again this is season two welcome to season two yes. guys. this is season two so we're in season two and this season is gonna be all about trauma which you know gets deep <sighs> But just to start off with what is trauma, um, the definition of trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. So that is point blank what trauma is. What yes. do you think about that, Sierra? Like, what do you think? What do you first come to your mind when you think of like that definition, a deeply distressing or disturbing experience? Um, honestly, hmm, when I think about this definition, for me, it puts it in it puts it into perspective. Like it literally says, deeply distressing or just disturbing. So yeah. if you think of a like, I'm just thinking of a time where I felt deeply distressed, something more, you know, major, more prominent, or maybe just even a disturbing experience. Like you know, we can all have encountered disturbing experiences throughout our days, yeah, um, stuff like that. So it, I feel like the definition really holds true to the meaning of the word which it can go from the smallest most you know minuscule thing to a really really hard um stressful situation so yeah I feel like a lot of times trauma can like when you think of trauma it sounds super heavy and super deep which it can be for sure and 
But a lot of people, I feel like they experience trauma and have no idea that it even was trauma because it seems, I feel like it's been categorized as such like a heavy thing when in reality, like the definition really like simplifies it out. Just disturbing experience or deeply distressing. So, you know, just keep, I feel like it's good to keep that in mind that it's not always something catastrophic and life detrimental. Brutal. Yeah, Yeah, that's not always the case. And it can show right. up in your life. We'll talk about that later, how it shows up in your life. It doesn't always have to be something, you know, catastrophic. Right. And so with trauma, of course, it is a very broad subject. And so it has been um, broken down into three categories. You have acute trauma, um, spelled like acute, like the triangle, <laughs> acute geometry. Um, anyway, <laughs> I never was good at geometry, but I know that. So thank you. But um, acute acute trauma trauma results from a single stressful or or dangerous event. So acute trauma would just be considered one singular stressful event um, that happens just one time. So that could be the disturbing experience or it could also be a deep, what was it? What was the word? Deeply disturbed. What was it? No, not deeply disturbed. Distressing. Deeply distressing. Yeah experience so I feel like that could fall under um both of those categories just means like one event basically okay and chronic trauma this would be results from repeated and prolonged exposure to highly stressful events um examples include cases of child abuse bullying or domestic violence so yeah chronic Mm. trauma this is kind of like for bullying bullying was a really good example of that because they always say like in middle school and high school bullying if one incident happens, it's not really considered technically bullying. Right, bullying yeah. has to be like, they keep coming back to you or they keep saying things or whatever the situation is, it's repeated. So that is considered chronic trauma. Right. Um, so yeah, just repeated and prolonged. And then the last um, and third trauma, I guess, category is complex trauma. And this results from exposure to multiple traumatic events. Mm-hmm. And so that, I know that does sound a little similar to chronic trauma, but I think from what I'm reading, I think the difference is the chronic is more like how we said an example, bullying or child abuse. So it's prolonged exposure to one like mm-hmm. stressful event. So if that is bullying in school, you're getting that every day, that's chronic. But complex would be like you're, you know, getting abused at home. You're coming to school, you're getting abused. Yeah you're on the bus and you know so that I feel is the complex when you have trauma stemming from so many different distressing events and so you experience that totally different than someone who you know maybe is just experiencing one event such as the bullying or whatever so yeah those are the three categories um and from those three categories like we talked about a few child abuse bullying um you could have medical trauma which we see a lot um in the black community, particularly, you know, we've been hearing a lot this year about, um, you know, like women that are pregnant and the type of care that they're getting um, in these situations from the gynecologist or the doctors, whoever, um, you know, downplaying pain and not um, being patient with these mothers and rushing babies out and all types of stuff. Um, And it's not just, of course, with women who are um, um, bearing child, but in every area of the medical field, there is, you know, I guess disparities, that's called disparities. There's, I mean, truthfully, it's just injustice and how we're treated versus some of our counterparts. 
Um, so that's just to name like a few of some examples. Yeah. And I was thinking even as you were talking about the complex trauma, like honestly, being black comes with complex trauma because I just right. like, and as you mentioned, and we've talked about this in another episode as well, being black in every area of our lives, we're at a disadvantage and I could talk about this forever and ever, but it's true. Like in every aspect, school, home, work, like Sierra said, in the hospitals, mental health, all the ways that you can think of, we're always, not just because of history and society, but that you can, we're experiencing those traumatic events, even if it's micro, small microaggressions, we're still experiencing those things in so many different areas. So that's just from being African-American or black or a person of color. But then also you probably might have had other traumas from your just own personal life. So I feel like, I mean, not saying that everyone yeah. has complex trauma, but I definitely feel I like. I think so. You, <laughs> not I think that's that. an accurate statement. Yes. Yeah. Because it's, it can be generationally passed down through DNA. Yeah. So it's above us. Like, no facts. Some of it, it's yeah, exactly. We're not even in control of, but in every aspect of our life, we're experiencing like, like I said, even if it's small, it's a microaggressions, even constant microaggressions can be, that is in and of itself. Even right. Deeply distressing. Yeah. yeah. When you get that <laughs> consistently over your whole lifetime, yep. that in and of itself is tough to deal with, depending on, you know, what it's about or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I just thought of that as you were giving, like, the definition of complex trauma and definitely being Black comes with a lot of um, experiences with that. Right. And so... Like, to piggyback, honestly, off what you were saying, Sydney, like, with how, with Black people, like, we particularly, you know, are getting a lot of this trauma from so many different angles and different places, and um, I really just think it, over time, it can shape who you are. Of course, it's For already sure. shaping your experience, but yeah. it can shape who you are over time, just having it weigh so heavy, like, on your psyche and it just, you know, you begin to operate in a certain from way. From a place of defense or yeah, from a, you know, like. Definitely. So it's really not good. And so that's why one thing we will be talking about, though, in this season, not just touching on the trauma, but also t- touching on the resilience that can come from trauma mm-hmm. and how often um, they're paired together. Like, there's a lot of different studies and um, courses. Like, I know I was originally exposed to trauma resilience through um, education in my major. Um, through elementary education and just talking about how to work with students um, who experience trauma and like how to help them build their resiliency over time from that. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's in a lot of different areas, but um, I think it's just as important to talk about the trauma and also to talk about, you know, some of the things that we can do to build up our resilience and try to not make the best out of it, but, you know, put some of it to good use and mm-hmm. good work on you as a person so we'll dive deeper into that though, yeah. as we purpose from pain say that again Fred. I'm- that used to remind purpose of pain you were saying like yes or like putting your pain somewhere like there's definitely purpose right. that come that comes from pain and i think that's what this we're gonna get out of this season this episode and stuff like that because i feel like this living within stigma is purpose from pain that's what this is pain, pain yeah purpose from pain yeah um, you, we say you say purpose from pain. I say pain to purpose. It's all yeah, the same. Yeah, all the same. <laughs> but um, yeah. So Sierra was talking about how when we're experiencing these traumas, it kind of shape, and we can be like, before working for and 
kind of acting out of defense some of the other yeah. movies that trauma because trauma can present itself in a lot of different ways there's not really like right. a one set of oh if you have trauma then this is what you're going to be like that's not really right. what it is yeah. it can kind of look different for everybody and of course everybody's experience is going to be so different but some of the ways that trauma can present itself includes exhaustion excuse me procrastination anxiety agitation dissociation brain fog mm. fear of success and needs need to plan for everything and all of these seem pretty minor like not minor but they don't seem like big things but depending on how like you anxiety like we speak about in last season how you experience anxiety can be so different for every person so right and like one of the ones was need to plan for everything that seems like oh that's not too bad but depending on how that affects your daily life these things can actually become really big hindrances so and they can show up in different ways for everybody so those are just some of the ways that they can present itself and you might not even know that it's because of traumatic experiences or um like prolonged experiences and stuff like that so yeah right and also um to go on top of that you also have some people who may experience delayed responses to their trauma and so just to define delay response, um, it is a characteristic event of an experimental procedure in which the subject is not permitted to respond to a stimulus until, until sometime after the stimulus has been removed. So for some people, you know, right after um, a traumatic experience, you may be fine or, you know, it, they may seem fine or whatever. And some people can have some of those delayed responses. So after the fact, it kind of will set in. Um, and so some of those delayed responses can include like sleep disorders um, that can occur well after the traumatic experience or nightmares that continue to occur well after this experience, whether ongoing or not. Um, you have anxiety focused um, on flashbacks or even depression or just avoiding your emotions in general. Um, and so those are some of those delayed responses um well what can happen I guess when your response is delayed and I guess this kind of shows that you do see a difference in like okay this is how the trauma can present itself versus presenting itself um in a delayed manner and you can see how on the delayed side they're a little more severe and so it does kind of show you it is so sad for so many people is that a lot of people don't get proper help or treatment or just anything, you know, after they experience trauma and the longer it sits and festers, it can turn into a, a sleep disorder or an eating disorder or so many other things. Mm -hmm. And so it is important to like, as best as you can, try to like address your trauma if you can or um, find the proper resources to do so, so that you don't have to, um, I guess, deal so heavily with delayed response. Yeah, that's true. And as you're talking, I also thought of like, just keeping note when you start to notice things that are out of the norm for you kind of keep track of that that's something that I've started implementing into like my daily life through just mental health in general there's not that's not really for any specific mental health but just even in just for health really bodily like right. just yeah feel off or when you not even off just different it doesn't have to be a bad connotation to it but if you just notice if that's like even when they say with like with um moles and just anything that is if you're different from yeah. that was <laughs> yeah that was but no no but like just when you notice yourself something different that is not the norm for you just taking note right. of that and what you feel like we can't talk about being present in the last few episodes but like 
noting that down can really help, especially if you start going to therapy or whatever, those can really help the progress of how like the outcomes of it, because you notice, oh, there was that one time I started feeling this really certain way. And right at that moment, I was having trouble with this. And then you kind of have, can keep track of, oh, okay, this, you can kind of connect the dots. It's a lot easier to connect the dots when you have like a notes of times of where you felt different or felt off. It's a really good way to just like help, you know, keep things documented, I guess. Yeah, and up to date. Yeah. yeah, noting your triggers, things like that. That can be really beneficial to help change changing those associations, etc. Right, and like, of course, like we are more so focusing on the mental um, effect, the men- the effect on your mental health. But it also, like you briefly mentioned, saying like it's like <laughs> you mentioned moles <laughs> or whatever. But um, all jokes aside, it really can also impact your physical health. Yeah. And so, like, even with the sleep disorder and, like, different things like that, like, those things also can be tied to some of these traumatic events. And um, it is important to address them so that you can be at ultimum health. Yeah. And that's um, a more, I guess, I wouldn't say new, but now it's a more pushed message that we're sending out um, or trying to, like, send out to the community to our own individual communities, you have a lot of different people that work very hard to like push these different things and stress these things because for such a long time, like mental health and how your mental health can affect your physical health has been like such a taboo subject in the black community, like almost like a myth, Mm -hmm. you know, to some people, literally a myth. Um, And we'll talk about like where all that stems from soon um, because it's very deep rooted. Of course we know, but, I just think it is, um, I don't know, I guess valuable to continue, you know, cultivating the conversation and keeping it going so that we can be our most healthy selves yeah. in all areas. Yeah. Definitely. Like a lot of the conversations that we're having were, they're taboo because back in 100 years ago 50 75 not even that even that long much sooner than that really like 50 years ago 25 years ago yeah really sooner than for sooner than sooner uh, than further I can't think of a way to yeah. phrase that but like yeah those conversations were not even like that was that was a luxury to have that like that wasn't even something that was an issue. right like there was much more bigger concerns than men like that was one of the furthest things from people's minds so it's taboo right. because it wasn't talked about. So as it became more educated, like people were more educated on it, people were like, okay, this is maybe not something that we should be talking about. So it stems from a lot further back than we think, like a lot, lot further yeah. back. Um, and yeah, it's actually very interesting when you start to research and do like and read up on yeah. just your history as a black person, like. A lot of stuff went right. down. Like, well, obviously we know that, but it, yeah. it, like it affects us in a lot of different ways that you wouldn't even think of. Right. And like we were talking about, like it is like an it's called specifically intergenerational trauma, which can be passed down through DNA, I strongly believe. And if not even through DNA, just environmentally or behaviorally, these things are passed down. Um, just how we were completely isolated from 
honestly any type of medical treatment like let's keep it real like we were you know it was not giving like oh checkup physical which yeah. is why even I hate to say this but there's some black people I know that don't go to the doctor this day to this yeah. day and I mean that sounds funny but seriously like there's a, a deep distrust there's a deep sense of like no only survival we yeah. only need what we need to survive all that extra stuff keep it at the door and it's interesting because like as you said Sydney as we've been researching like you just see so plainly and clearly that we were intentionally made and forced to view ourselves in this way and to view our lives in this way um in order to continue the work of being a chattel slave you know so yeah um one thing that we researched really quick um in 1848 I'm just going to read this a man named John Gout a physician and medical medical director of the eastern Luth lunatic i believe new lunatic assignment asylum is that how I think you it's, pronounce it uh Luna, is that lu- lunatic 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 oh lunatic so. oh my goodness lunatic asylum. yes lunatic yeah. okay yeah the eastern lunatic wow i didn't wouldn't think that we used i thought that was like derogatory <laughs> <laughs> anyway lunatic asylum in williamsburg virginia offered that blacks are immune to wow <laughs> So this is what a whole doctor and medical director (laughs) in Williamsburg, Virginia, that's what he had to say um, in 1848. So that speaks volumes. Yeah, that's because we we are I mean, I'm not saying we're not we're not immune to mental health. That's not what I'm saying. But because we have been seen as such resilient to them creatures, because back in history and slaves, you know, they tried to have slaves of other other um, nationalities, other races, and it didn't work out for them because, and they stuck with black people because we were the most strong, the most resilient. And we, as we are, we are the best. I mean, it's not great that we were used as slaves, but it, it has proven that we are, not I don't want to say superior, but we kind of are superior. Not yeah. Like we just in all of aspects in strength and music and not in just mental health but just every aspect I feel like black people we are strong because we're a force we are a force we are a magical people and that's why they used us back in the day as slaves because they saw that they saw that strongness and they saw that resilience and they're like oh okay so they must be is it I don't know if John Gout is a black man he's probably a white man because he was a physician yeah he's a white man because there was no physic black physicians in 1848 okay so yeah this is a white man for sure but that's how they they viewed us so strong, and he obviously they thought we were immune to mental illness. I don't know for what reason they thought that, but because we were seen as so strong. Anyway, I feel like I go on and on about that, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so the lack of representation and access to Black mental health professionals, which is something that we saw then, yeah. and well, really non-existent. Yeah. It was, you know, it was not even a lack. It was non-existent at that point. Um, But now we still do, unfortunately, see a lack of representation and access um, to Black mental health professionals. But I will say that it is, there's definitely a lack of representation. But I will say that I think that there are resources out there. Like I said, there are people that work very hard. Like this is some people's life's work. So sometimes, like I will say, like when people like, will say, I guess, I don't know. I think it's important to just say like very like loose statements, like lack thereof and stuff like that. And not just like non-existent because this is some people's life work to have private, you know, um, black owned 
mental health facilities yeah. or being a mental health professional or even people that do nonprofit work and just, you know what I'm saying? All these different things. And so I feel like it is important to like pay respect by mentioning that some of these resources are available. Um, and there are people that have, you know, done the work to help make them more available. So I think it's important to like, you know, utilize resources as much as we can. Like Taraji P. Henson recently just came out with a, um, a new platform on Facebook um, it's like a show that I haven't really tapped in, tapped in. I need to, but, um, so Roger P. Henson basically opened up about her experiences and she's allowing other people to come on her platform and open up as well. Um, so just stuff like that, I feel is exciting to have and see, um, in 2021 in our black community. So. Yeah, for Ooh. sure. I think it's just I think it's amazing that we are having like so much more I mean there's still much work to be done but there is so many more opportunities and just for because when you look back like in historically we didn't have black people weren't given the opportunity to be mental health professionals or to be doctors or to be physicians or what like yeah that hasn't really been an an option for us so I think it's really good and in that we're seeing like growth and like seeing how we can move forward because that has like thriving mentally has never really been a priority for like I said before for African-American people because historically we've had a lot of other things to focus on um right and I feel like we've been tricked into not tricked but we've been tricked into feeling like we have to always keep up that like historically we're so strong or whatever as mm-hmm. that's passed down into generations even into our grandparents and great grandparents like that need to be strong mentally physically emotionally like we feel like we still feel that even in our generation today there's still that need to feel like oh I can't fail or I have to be strong or I have to keep going I have to push myself I have to be the strongest person and that those are all very good things to do and have but you also we also need to realize that you know it's so as Jada said what did she say it's okay to be soft and careful <laughs> and broken. like it's okay yes. to like we sh- we need to allow ourselves like we're making progress and we need to like definitely put into the black atmosphere the black atmosphere I don't know if that <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> yes I like that the black atmosphere that it's okay to be not okay like that's okay we're allowed right. to be you know looked after but yeah but Yaku right. said it's, I think it's really good that black people are really you know, taking charge, taking like a stand for our mental health and health in general. Hopefully it's only up from here. Yes, for sure. And what helps it stay up is having conversations like this and um, particularly having conversations like this, which we've talked about this before, but um, with like some of your family members, maybe even some of your older family members, because we have noticed a lot of the times, you know, over time, of course, we're making more and more progress. And so people can get stuck and stay where they are. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, as we're still, you know, and so the younger generation is kind of moving with the times and some people are still stuck in 1960. So in order to move us forward, it is important to have these conversations with your parents and with your grandparents. And some of the responses may shock you. Some of the responses may anger you. Some of the responses may confuse you. But it is okay to try to, you know, push past that and have an open mind as much as possible to all sides. Because what we really have been, like, realizing, you know, with research and just 
living life is like it's all for a reason it's not like it's just like oh you know I am just an evil person and I don't believe like a lot of times it's not stemming from that it's stemming from systematic and generational you know like it's it's deeper than that so have you know have a little grace of course um give a little grace when it comes to some of these conversations but definitely have them and if they you know you can start off bite size and work your way up but (laughs) bite size I think (laughs) I think it's important it helps us continue to make progress and just like you Mm -hmm. said like with the black atmosphere the black community like one thing I've realized about just in general like for black people a lot of good things happen in the home you know yeah it's every black home every black family if you can start just in your home with your family it's gonna have a ripple effect um and so it's important yeah I like and as I was saying earlier about from obviously multiple generations far back but even with our grandparents and our parents like how Sierra saying you might not always get the response that you want but we have to understand as like this generation and the younger generation is that the older generations haven't had as I keep like I keep saying this but they haven't had the luxuries and they haven't had the resources the information so a lot of it does just seem like foreign concepts and right. they've had to, our parents and grandparents have had to make decisions to literally to survive so right. we're honestly at a luxury at where we are now I mean there's still obviously a lot of said work to be done but are they have to make decisions and even if that ended up hurting us emotionally or tr- however yeah. that the trauma may have pres- have presented itself in our families I feel like yeah. a, lot, a lot of black fam- African Americans have dealt with trauma in a lot of varying different ways right. a lot of that just stems from having to make decisions like with your own person as as parents one of the things I saw um that I thought was so important is that like our, when you look at our parents' decisions as them being their own person and not our parents, it changes your perspective on how decisions were made because it's so easy to be like, oh, my parents didn't do this. Oh, they did this. Oh, my grandparents did this and they did that. But when you really think of them as they are their own individuals dealing with their own traumas from their parents and they're dealing with their own anxieties or whatever else they have going on in their life, they're right. only to their best ability of what they knew how to do. So that may right. have negative impacts on our parents, which then may have affected us unknowingly, and that may have caused us trauma. But you know, it's it's the stopping it and trying to learn about the traumas, yeah, and not, not shy away from the traumas. To actually, I mean, it's really hard, obviously, to do that. It's can be very triggering, but to really learn about the traumas, that's what makes it better. That's how you yeah. learn how to stop it and become self aware, so that right. you're like, not continuing the patterns of trauma because when our generation has children if we just continue in the path of doing the things that our parents did to us or didn't do or whatever it's just going to perpetuate into so much more trauma so yeah for sure um and so I think we talked about a lot today um I think Mm -hmm. we really just got an opportunity to you know talk about trauma and how it affects um, our people and our thoughts and um, ways that we can continue moving forward, you know, and to really continue to educate ourselves. Um, like you said, Sydney, it can be very triggering and hard. Um, but I think, like we, like I said earlier um, in the episode, that 
yes, there's trauma, but there's also resilience on the other side. And Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to put a period after your trauma. Like you can put a period after trauma resiliency or trauma resilience because um, it is a complete Mm -hmm. work. Um, And so we are going to begin to wrap up our episode. Um, We are going to speak a lot more about the resilience side of things as we continue in this um, Mm -hmm. season. So to just prepare you guys for the episodes to come, we want to first give you the definition of resiliency. So Sydney, do you mind sharing that? Um, Psychologists define resilience as the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress such as family and relationship problems, serious health problems, or workplace and financial stressors. There you go, Sierra. Thank you. Sorry, it's getting dry. So, yes, so that is, like, um, a lot of the stuff that we talked about, like, some of those just dealing with adversity and health problems and workplace and all those different stressors. Um, And so resilience is like it said in the definition like how we approach some of these things and how we adapt and how we um reposition ourselves to you know like actually um I guess not reap the benefits but you know just how we reposition ourselves and view it a little differently and how we move forward really um yeah, so that's what yeah. we're going to be talking about. And we have a lot of special guests that are going to help us um, talk about it. And I guess not help us talk about it, but really help us have, like, you know, more perspective and learn a little something. Yeah. So I'm excited. For sure. I'm excited, too. This, this season is going to be definitely different from last season. But right. I'm excited about that. Yeah, last season we, was a really season. good season. Like, anxiety yeah. is is really it was, it was a lot it was we honestly could have done like we probably will do like a follow-up one day because yeah yeah and so so much trauma but i think yeah we have to be specific because we could talk about forever if we didn't <laughs> yeah like, narrow it down me and Sierra, these would be no literally and, and i can't <laughs> i don't think anybody right y'all would be us <laughs> two hour episodes yeah but I wanted to leave you guys with a quote from Maya Angelou. I guess it's Maya Angelou since it's... I need to find some um, more unheard of people. We do love Maya Angelou, but I feel like they always give us yeah. the same people. That's my fault. But so next next episode, I'm going to have a new, a new quote, <laughs> new a different person. But yeah, but today's quote is, <laughs> I can be changed by what happens to me, but I refuse to be reduced by yes. it. So that, I feel like that kind of speaks to the resiliency. Um how yes the trauma can change how we like how we act and how maybe we present ourselves in lives but that doesn't mean that we're less than it doesn't mean that you know we're damaged goods or anything um we can choose how we put that where we put that trauma and reposition ourselves to be better because of yes it. love that and we do love our dear Maya Angela. so yes <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and for keeping up with our social yep. media, if you don't follow us on social media, follow us. Living Within Stigma is our um, handle. So check us out. We're, we post yep. on there about three times a week. Um, and we engage yeah. on our stories almost daily. So 
Yep. Come hang with us. Join our space yes. of hope. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.